KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. Obviously, everybody's focus has been on the election, and if your focus hasn't been on the election, then it was on the pandemic. But there's been a very important case before the Supreme Court, and we just recently heard arguments, and hanging in the balance is the Affordable Care Act. Could the Supreme Court actually overturn it? What is at stake here? We wanted to break this down, so to learn more, we reached out to Craig Green. He is a professor of law at Temple University, and we talk about this thing start to finish. Give a listen. So kind of give us an overview here with regards to this case, the Affordable Care Act that was brought before the Supreme Court. Uh, What are we talking about here? Kind of break it down. Sure. Well, the whole story starts in 2010 when they passed the Affordable Care Act. And there were two challenges to that statute in the Supreme Court. In 2011, John Roberts uh, surprises a lot of conservatives, upholds Obamacare. Uh, Then when Donald Trump gets elected, he tries to repeal Obamacare, fails on the famous John McCain thumbs down. And the next thing they do is they have the individual mandate, which is a penalty for people who don't get health care, and they, they, they drive that down to zero dollars. So now there's a mandate, everybody has to get health care, but the penalty for not getting health care is zero dollars. And so that produces this lawsuit. Uh, this lawsuit comes up and is challenging again the individual mandate, the individual mandate for zero dollars. How can it be? Uh, this lawsuit is based on the constitutional power of Congress to have that kind of a penalty. Um, everything Congress does has to have a particular constitutional power to support it. And the John Roberts had decided the uh, individual mandate was a tax and could be seen as a tax power. The challenger's argument now in the lawsuit is you can't have a tax for zero dollars. There's no constitutional authority. The individual mandate is unconstitutional. And therefore, the whole statute is unconstitutional. Like every step of that process is part of the cases before the court today. So in the arguments, what did you hear? What, you know, if you're kind of parsing through reading the tea leaves, what uh, did you hear from the justices? Sure. There are these big issues. You know, one of them is the constitutionality of the mandate. But there are these two other like quasi technical issues out there. One is whether people are allowed to bring a lawsuit to complain about a penalty of zero dollars. So does anyone have standing to bring this kind of lawsuit or is this just sort of a political complaint? And then the other argument is even if the mandate, even the individual mandate for zero dollars, mind you, even if the mandate is unconstitutional, there's this doctrine called severability. Now that means that if part of a lawsuit, if part of a law is unconstitutional, maybe just that little part should be struck down and not the whole thing. For the Obamacare statute, that would be terrific if they were to strike down just the individual mandate of zero dollars uh, and leave the whole rest of the thing, re- pre-existing conditions and regulating insurance costs and all that kind of stuff stayed, that would be fine. So uh, at the argument, almost nobody talked about the constitutional issue. They only talked about these, mainly talked about these other technical issues. And the one issue that's the most important one is severability. And uh, that's the one that if people watch the nomination hearings for Justice Amy Coney Barrett, That's the one the Democratic senators kept asking her about, trying to get her to answer. She refused to answer quite sensibly. And that's the one that the lawyers got sort of asked a lot about at the Supreme Court. Supreme Court's in a funny place right now because there are six conservative justices, not five like there has been for my whole adult life. Um, And so everybody's looking around with the six justices, the six conservative justices. Are there five 
who would strike down the whole Obamacare statute. And kind of in the middle of the argument, uh, playing a very clear card for everyone to see, Brett Kavanaugh basically said, I think the defenders of Obamacare are right about the severability argument. That's, he didn't say exactly that, but that's basically what he said. Justices very rarely show that kind of sign during oral argument about how they're actually gonna come down in a case. But if Justice Kavanaugh is to be believed, and I have to say that I do, um, then I think this case is gonna end up at the very least uh, upholding almost all of Obamacare as constitutional, and they might or might not strike down the mandate for zero dollars. That little part of the statute might get struck down, but I think as long as Brett Kavanaugh votes the way that he showed at oral argument, there's going to be at least five votes to uphold Obamacare, and uh, public health options that we have right now will remain into the future. I don't know if this is a, a fair question, but is there consideration given to just the chaos it would unleash if they did go all the way and uh, abolish the ACA. I mean, I know we're looking at legal arguments, but is there consideration given that the how this would just throw everything, turn everything upside down? So important, and maybe two aspects of it that are really important. Uh, the first is, Justice Barrett's confirmation to the Supreme Court was unprecedented and hugely disruptive. And so the Supreme Court sits in a very delicate posture right now. People are talking about adding seats to the court. People are talking about all kinds of stuff with the Supreme Court. It's in a very tenuous position. Uh, Judge Barrett, now Justice Barrett's confirmations were all about Obamacare. If she turned around and was the fifth vote to strike down Obamacare across the country, I think that would be a radical result for the court. Um, there could be protests on the marble steps. Um, there could be all kinds of stuff. Nobody at the court wants that to be the case. Second point is, of course, the other tumult out there, the other disruption out there is the election. And uh, this time when, of course, even to this day, uh, Donald Trump has not um, conceded defeat, in fact, still making noise about the possibility of contesting President-elect Joe Biden's uh, uh, election to the presidency. Uh, it is possible, and of course, President Trump talks all the time about the possibility of getting the Supreme Court involved in that. So if the Supreme Court were ever to become involved in some sort of election dispute, whether they walked into such a dispute or they stayed out of it, um, they're going to need all the credibility they can sweep together. In this particular moment, I think it would be especially disruptive and problematic if the Supreme Court, on this huge case, right after the election, were to jump in and strike down the most important public health statute um, in generations, and certainly the most important accomplishment, statutory accomplishment of President Obama's administration, and a huge hallmark of what the Democratic Party claims to stand for going forward. It would put the court right in the middle of a political tornado, uh, and I think that they would function very poorly there. Now, how much does that affect individual justices? I don't know. But I can tell you that, of course, judges are humans. They live in the same world as the rest of us. And they understand better than the rest of us what this would mean to the court, the Constitution, and the country. I think that's only one more, three more, five more reasons why I think one should expect the Supreme Court to stay out of this case and, at the most, strike down the individual mandate itself, which only uh, has zero dollars. And kind of going along with that, we are in the middle of a pandemic that's getting worse. And playing with the healthcare system would would seem to be kind of bad form, you know, on these technical arguments. So true. And uh, I think another thing about it is, of course, it's uh, another thing that people know 
is that President Trump and the Republicans have for the better part of a decade uh, proposed to try to have some alternative to Obamacare. Of course, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. But it is not here. And I think you're right that uh, somewhere between this election where President-elect Joe Biden ran on health care and won on health care and in this time of pandemic when uh, people's uh, health insurance and their health are unsure and, of course, their jobs are unsure. And, uh, you know, that's the alternative. Private insurance in America has so traditionally been associated with having a job. And so when people's jobs are uh, vulnerable um, or uh, threatened, of course, with other political things like the the COVID uh, relief package also held up. But in all these circumstances, I think it'd be a terrible time for the Supreme Court, this uh, apolitical legal institution to walk in and make some new constitutional law, which is what they would have to do uh, in order to strike down this massive and, you know, to a large degree, surprisingly popular a statute, and certainly very, very important statute for millions of Americans with pre-existing conditions, for millions of Americans who either have lost their jobs or whose jobs are vulnerable, they depend on this kind of safety net um, to allow people, even if they're unemployed and even if their jobs are threatened, um, at least if they get sick, they can get uh, health care. You know, at least if they get sick, they can get health insurance. And I think that that kind of security in a time of COVID, I think is more important than ever. So let's look at the what seems like talking to you and stuff. I've you know the most likely outcome here, you know that they they knock down that the mandate this that severability we're talking about. What how do what does that what is how does that change things going forward? Yeah, so if that happened, then I think it wouldn't change things an awful lot. I mean, uh, maybe this is a little bit of a history lesson, but you know back when they passed Obamacare, they thought they needed the individual mandate and they needed a penalty, like a financial penalty for people who didn't get health insurance to make them get health insurance. That's what they thought. They thought this uh, individual mandate was an essential, not a trivial or ancillary, but an essential part of the statute. Well, it turns out that actually most people have gone ahead and gotten health insurance anyway, even um, though as the, uh, the penalty has dropped and even as now the penalty is zero. So that's one thing is it turns out that more people have gone out and gotten health. Why is it important that so many more people get health insurance? Because otherwise the health insurance companies will crash. If you load them up with a whole lot of pre-existing conditions and regulate their rates, which Obamacare does do that, um, and then you don't give them any benefits, you'll crush the companies and then you won't have any health insurance. But if you can broaden the base, so if more people go out and get health insurance, um, then that can make the whole system work better is the idea. And that's what's happening. So that's one thing is I think people have turned out to go get health insurance even without a penalty. Second thing is a bunch of states have now started imposing penalties if you don't get health insurance. So like Massachusetts and D.C. and New Jersey, and I think now California, Rhode Island. And that's another way, even if the federal government can't impose a mandate and a penalty like this, even if they zero out the way that they have after 2017, maybe states will step up and try to provide this incentive for their citizens and their residents to get health care. And that could also, again, broaden the base so you don't crush the health care health insurance system that's trying to uh, cover pre-existing conditions and this kind of stuff. Uh, so that's another way in which it happens. Uh, I think the third thing, which, um, you know, uh, President-elect Joe Biden uh, came uh, to the, this election believing that he was going to expand Obamacare and turn it into Biden care. And, you know, he wanted to expand and create a public option, do all kinds of things. Um, I think, uh, depending how things turn out in the Georgia Senate race, it looks like the Democrats are not going to have the Senate. And if the Democrats don't have the Senate, then I think the likelihood of doing anything with Mitch McConnell 
to improve or increase or extend Obamacare, I think that's incredibly unlikely. Mitch McConnell has said no to a lot better plans than that. Um, and so what I would say is I think that um, the status put even more pressure on this case. I mean, I think it's going to come out a particular way, but just to have everybody understand what's at stake, you know, if Obamacare were to collapse or be struck down, I'm not sure anyone could design a replacement, not the Republicans, not the Democrats, not Joe Biden, not anybody. And by contrast, if all they do is strike down this uh, individual mandate, the penalty of zero dollars, if they only strike down a penalty of zero dollars, I think the practical effect will almost certainly be the status quo, like which is important to preserve the status quo in this time of tumult and disruption. But I think that looking forward, you know, can the Democrats, I mean, they certainly can't do anything like Medicare for all. They're not even talking about that. But can they even do a Biden care with a public option and some sort? I'm not sure. In this political climate with, you know, 70 something million uh, people supporting Donald Trump for president this election and uh, with a, a very unrepentant uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, Susan Collins, you know, these are people who Democrats thought might be vulnerable. They weren't vulnerable. I think the Republican senators come through this race actually feeling quite confident in their ability to resist, in their ability to oppose, and, and, and thereby stop any kind of serious developments in healthcare. Once this case is decided, do you think this is it? I mean, the Affordable Care Act has been kind of the great white whale for the Republican Party for a decade. But given how the law is more popular, uh, you almost, I mean, in some interviews, you almost feel some on the right now are very uncomfortable that it's gotten to this point because there's not something they could replace it with. Do you think this would be the last major challenge to the Affordable Care Act, or do you think there could be more down the road? Never say never, but I do think this is it. Um, I think that one of the reasons the court has been so central is because of the politics. I mean, I think we'll never be closer in America to repealing Obamacare than John McCain's thumbs down vote on the floor of the Senate. I think that's going to be the pivotal moment for all of us in looking back at uh, sort of American health insurance. And so I think that draw, there's an analogy there to older statutes. You know, people hated Social Security for a while and Medicare and Medicaid. But the fact is those statutes have lasted a long time. And part of it is because they have worked for a lot of Americans. And I think that's, you know, for better or worse, I think that's what a lot of people have seen out of Obamacare. Certainly not perfect. Certainly not solving all the problems. Certainly not doing all the things that all the people said it would do in advance. But I think it's popular basically because I think Americans benefit from having some kind of health insurance safety net out there rather than just going to the emergency room and ringing up bills and making hospitals pay the cost, running thrifts through the insurance system. And I think that has generally been quite effective for a lot of Americans. It's very popular. As you say, Republicans have tried and have not come up with alternatives. And every year that it remains in place is another year it's harder to tear it down. And I think more people build their sort of lives around it and uh, build their expectations around it. And I think uh, that's that's what I think that's what you saw in the election, too. I think you saw uh, President Trump several times said people love their private health insurance. And I think a lot of people said, yeah, we do like our private health insurance with Obamacare as a floor, as a safety net and as available to people just in case I were to become vulnerable at my job or have some other sort of unexpected need to change healthcare and have a pre-existing condition and this kind of stuff. I think people like that. And so I think the courts are, I think the court challenges will be over. This has got to be the last gasp for that. I think the Republican Party, I think, is not in power for at least two years. 
so I think that's not very likely. And of course, it looks very likely they won't be in power in the presidency for four years, which would stop any sort of reform. And at some point, it just gets too long. You know what I mean? Like, it's from 2010 to 2024. Like, that's a long time, you know, for Obamacare to have worked. You know, so I think barring some kind of cataclysm, I think where the real political gold is to be mined is in trying to revise it and reform it. You know, I think that's the real shame is that as long as Republicans, some number of Republicans have dug in heels to sort of keep that stuff out, then I think it's made it very hard for um, the kind of sensible middle ground reforms to happen that I think need to happen. So I think uh, I think that's what we would hope for as Americans is we would hope that at some point the fire about repeal and replace Obamacare would be uh, replaced by serious public policy debates about how to make it better and how to make it work for more people. And I think that's that's what that's what I would love to see the next chapter be. But either way, I won't be sad when there are no more Supreme Court cases about Obamacare. And I think about the constitutionality of Obamacare. And I think I think this case is the end of that road. And are we done with the arguments? And now we're just waiting for the decision. And when would we expect to hear that decision? Correct. The arguments happened, I think, yesterday, the day before. Uh, yesterday it was. And that's the last public signal we'll get. Um, this is still, the, it's called the October term. So it starts in October and it runs through, you know, sometimes June or July, as late as that. Um, the opinion could wait that long. I don't think anyone should expect it to wait that long. The way the court does it is whoever's in the majority, uh, they assign one person to write the opinion. And then if there's going to be a dissent, there will probably be a dissent. Um, and they go back and forth writing the, the revising majority opinion, revising the dissenting opinion. And when all that sort of behind the scenes work is done, that's when they publish the opinion. That's the only other uh, event left to happen in this case. And usually that's a lot of suspense and kind of it could be. Um, but I think Justice Kavanaugh knew when he said that he agreed on the severability point, he knew people were watching. He knew what people would think. And I think I think he was conscious uh, of sending a reassuring signal to a troubled America that Obamacare was not going to get struck down on his watch. And it could have gone a different way. But I think that's the message that he was sending to America about this case in this time, such a crisis, so important. And I think that reassurance is the kind of thing that people should take away. We're going to have a conservative court for a long time. They're going to do a lot of radical things. There's going to be a lot of stuff to watch over the next 10 to 15 years. But I think Brett Kavanaugh this week signaled to America, not this time, not on my watch, not Obamacare, at least rest safe in that. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.